Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Well, welcome back once again to the Corner of Truth and Courage. This is segment two of Israel or Palestine, that piece of land that we refer to as the Holy Land. Who does it properly belong to? Does it properly belong to the Arabs? Should we call it Palestine? Or should we call it Israel and believe that it belongs to the Jews? Well, we're turning to the Bible to find an answer for this. We covered what I called the first title deed in yesterday's program. Today, we're going to continue on into the second title deed. But before we actually get into it, we're going to cover the man Ishmael. Because that's going to be the question for us in a, in a few moments. Does this land, we're told in Romans chapter, sorry, in, in Genesis chapter 12, that uh, the Abrahamic covenant had a piece of real estate that was attached to it, and it was going to be given to Abraham. In chapter 15, we're told that Abraham is going to possess a piece of land between the rivers Euphrates and the river of Egypt, the, the Nile. And so somewhere between those two, uh, the western and the eastern boundary, God has some land for Abraham. And then he adds, and your seed and your descendants. Not only is Abraham going to be able to possess it, it will belong to the children of Abraham. Well, his firstborn child, which we introduced to you yesterday, was Ishmael. Let me read to you what the Bible tells us about him. Now, by the way, There's only four men, four people in the Bible, who were given their name from heaven. Ishmael is one of them. You're going to find that here given to us in chapter 16. And we're going to find out what the Bible has to say about this man. Okay? So let's look at his birth and how all that transpired. Now again, uh, Abraham took... Sarah's servant, an Egyptian servant named Hagar, and she bears a son. We pick that up in verse in in chapter number sixteen, and and actually he's not yet born, but she's now pregnant with him. I'm getting ahead of myself. So in, in chapter sixteen, we find that there's a conflict here between a between Hagar and Sarah. Sarah's still barren. Hagar's been able to give her master a child. And now there's a conflict between the two. And in verse number six, And Abraham said unto Sarah, Behold, thy handmaid is in thine hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. So Hagar, after getting told off and... um, for the, she chooses to leave on her own accord. Now, later on, we're going to find out in a few chapters later that she's actually thrown out. But now she leaves on her own accord, and she goes into the wilderness. And while she's in the wilderness, the angel of the Lord comes to her, in verse number 10, and the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, and it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And so she is told to return, 
But before that, we get a description of this man, Ishmael, verse number 12. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand will be against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Now, the actual Hebrew word poineum is used there of the presence. And every time you look at that word, the idea here is that the countenance or of his brethren. The idea is, you've heard the expression, you're in my face. It's an antagonistic impression that we get from this, the way it's being used here. And so his hand will be, he'll be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand will be against him. And he will live in the face in an antagonism against his brethren. Well, who's his brethren? Well, later on, we know that will be Isaac, the promised son that will come through Abraham and Sarah, just as God had promised. So Ishmael is not yet born, uh, um, and Isaac is not yet born, but we're told this is the description of the man. Now, why do I bring that up? This man is the father of the Arab nations. Let me be clear. Islam did not start with Ishmael. It came from one of the descendants of Ishmael about 600 years after Christ. So many, many, many years later, Muhammad will be born, a descendant of Ishmael, and he is the one who brings us the religion of Islam. What's interesting is the very same traits that we see in the religion of Islam, you also see in the race and the people of Ishmael, their descendants. They are like wild men. Their hand is against every man, and every man's hand is against them. And get this, they dwell in the presence, in the faith, in an antagonism against their brethren, which will be the Jews. And so let's continue on. Now in chapter 17, we come to the second title deed. The second title deed gives us more clarity of the boundaries Again, a title deed does two things. It establishes legal ownership and the boundaries. The first title deed told us that the legal owner would be Abraham and that it will be between the river Euphrates and the river of Egypt, the Nile. So now we get down to verse number 8 of chapter 17. And, I, and the Lord says to, to, to Abraham, says, And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan. This is right in between the Nile and the Euphrates. It's right where it was said it would be in the first title deed. But now we have a clear location. Never, ever has there been any question about the location of Canaan. We've always known Lebanon is to the north. We've always known it's next to the Mediterranean Sea. We know that the Jordan River there borders it and the wilderness below. So we know very clearly the limitations. Now, when we get to third title deed, things get really interesting. Now, we're not going to go there this week. I I do that often when I cover the subject, but I'm going to put that to the side. We might cover it here at the end of the week. We'll see. But uh, I'll just tell you this. It expands greatly. Now, Israel has not fully possessed all the land that God has promised to them. At least not yet. That's another story. But let's uh, let's move on down to verse number 18, because here we get the clarity, the very crystal clear answer. 
who does this land belong to? Because the conflict that's going on in the Middle East today is the Arabs are out there saying that the Jews are foreign occupiers of our land. They're trying to steal away our birthright, our land. And the Jews are saying, nay, nay, my friends, this is our land. We have history here. We've got it all the way back to our father Abraham and, and, and so on there. So both sides are arguing who gets the land. Well, the Bible has very clearly spoken here in Genesis chapter 17. And let's read it, verse 18, 19, and 20 and 21. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. I think it's very clear as you read the story of Abraham and his son Ishmael. Abraham loved Ishmael, no doubt about it. And here he is, he's asking God, God, pay attention. May, may Ishmael be before you. May you consider him. And the Lord replies in verse 19, And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. So now we have the second man who's given his name from heaven. First was Ishmael, and now we have Isaac. Uh, the other two people were John the Baptist and Jesus himself. Okay, So these are the four men that have their names given from him. It's a very honored place to be. Ishmael and Isaac are two of the four. And the Lord said, verse 19, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. So is there any question here? Who does the land belong to, the holy land, the Canaan land, the promised land? It belongs to Isaac and his descendants, the Jews, Israel. Now, verse 20 gives us even more clarity. And as for Ishmael, so now we're going to say what God is going to do with, with Ishmael. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and, and, he, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. Verse 21, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at the set time in the next year. So we have a very clear guidance here from God's holy word. And after all, uh, this is God's ball. We're living on his ball, the earth. And he has control and power and authority to do whatever he wishes. And here he is chosen to give a piece of real estate, Canaan land, to Israel. Now, by the way, I'll read to you that even in the Quran, the Quran tells us that, that it belongs to the Jews. It's actually there. But Muslims aren't told about that verse in the Quran. What they are told is this. They're told the story in the Quran where Abraham took the son whom he loved, and took him to Mount Moriah to test the faith of Abraham to sacrifice his son to show his devotion and love and trust in God, in Allah, the way that the Quran would be telling it and telling the story. But the son whom he took, guess who he was? Ishmael. You see, in the Quran, it is Abraham who takes Ishmael to be sacrificed. He's the one 
who is redeemed. He is the one who was spared. He is the chosen one. He is the one who gets the blessing. After all, he is the firstborn son of Abraham. In the Quran, it points to Ishmael being the one who receives the blessing. And the Muslims simply explain the reason why the Old Testament, why your Bible says what it says is because the Jews corrupted it years ago. The Christians corrupted their text, their scriptures, and therefore Allah had to fix the corruption of the Jews and the Christians and come with the last testament, the Quran, to fix all the corruption that was given earlier. See, Muslims believe that their God, Allah, is the God who created Adam and Eve, the God who created the earth, the God who made a covenant with Abraham, and that Moses was one of his prophets and all that stuff. But the Jews corrupted the message, so we can't trust it. The Christians corrupted the message that Jesus had given, who was a prophet of Allah. And therefore, the Quran fixes all the corruption. That's the only reliable text. Now, they can't show where earlier texts said it the way that they say it's supposed to say. They don't have anything like that. They just simply declare it's, it's corrupted, so therefore it must be. And they don't produce any evidence, which they can't. So this is why the Arabs believe the Jews are stealing their land, because of the lie of the Quran. We're going to have to stop there, but when we come back tomorrow, we'll pick up more about this Arab-Israel conflict, and hopefully we'll get some understanding of why things happen the way they do today. We'll get into that tomorrow, so we hope you join us at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.